space, the final frontier. much the neutral zone podcast a star trek podcast by ladies where we talk loudly and at great length about star trek i'm kareem and i'm joined by my co-host kim hello and ari hello and we are here to talk about the seventh aired episode of star trek what are little girls made of yes question mark what little girls are made of i what? think it's sexual slavery <laughs> and transistors <laughs> kisses Kisses. Um, yeah, so Ari and I just finished watching this episode, and um, I'm not excited to talk about this. This was boring. It wasn't boring. It's one of those episodes that when we started, I'm like, I have very vague remembrances in the back of my head going, oh, yeah. I always remember the Lady Androids outfit. It is or lack thereof. It is like overalls that are missing the underalls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought, as an episode of television, I thought it was just, like, to sit and watch on its own. It was really, really, really boring. It's one of these... And I didn't like it. But as a part of Star Trek history that may lead into, you know, stuff that's coming up in the next generation, there are some things to talk about. There are some interesting things about artificial intelligence in here that I want to talk about later. Um, like the lack of the three laws. Yeah, like rule number one. But I want to get to that later. Oh, wait, because it is rule number one. <laughs> that is rule number one, yeah. Um, but it's it's also one of those early Star Trek episodes that has no B-plot, which I always found really boring because if something is not spectacularly well-written, which this was not. Spoiler. Well, and again, to talk to the production of this episode. The, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. This one was a bit of a hot mess, even when they were making it. So the writer, Robert Bloch, Bloch? Spell it. B-L-O-C-H. Yeah, I think you're Bloch. Sorry, man. You've got the Exactly. He submitted this episode, and they essentially started shooting with it. But at a certain point, Gene Roddenberry looked over and was like, Oh, shit. And was rewriting it as they were shooting it. Uh, Yeah, that came across. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it took eight days to uh, to film it completely, which was, usually it was around six, but they had those extra two days because they were literally waiting for the thing to be written so that they could act it out. Catching the boat as it sinks. Yeah, like, because I believe that the, at the core of this is a really interesting story. Yeah, as in much of uh, early Star Trek. It's <laughs> way, way down there, real deep. Well, no, there, I, I think that kind of near the end where Corby is trying to argue, isn't it just me? It is me. Just plastic me, but me. That I thought was interesting. Yeah. And Yeah, there's definitely stuff to talk about in there, and there are ideas, but just like... It's lost. Yeah, it's lost in you boringness. You can through all of the, like, sexual harassment and general grossness and baffling chase scenes through terribly fake caves. It's just, it's all very distracting from what little remained of what I think the ideal was. 
I think it's funny because in reality, this is a very this should be a very talky episode. Yeah. In the way that in the Next Generation, the episode where Picard has to defend Data's humanity, oh, or God, I love that, that he is not just a thing, he is a person. That is a very talky episode, and it allows itself to be talky. Yeah. And there's Next Gen did a lot of very clearly sitting down and thinking about okay, what do we need? Mm-hmm. What does this mean? And you actually got to see the philosophical conversations where you'd be like, this is what we're trying to say, and this is what it means in the context of this world. Whereas classic Trek just sort of... It was a different age of television, it was a very, right? It's a very different kind of, of, of writing and storytelling styles, and yeah, very different age and, of television. And what they had pitched to the network is this is an action-adventure star thing, so you can't really debate those issues. So I feel like it's very interesting that they, they did bring up these questions so early in Star Trek. Yeah. And we see that to fruition and much better... In the next generation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it is Stardate 2712, which, let me just refer back to my notes, our last episode was 1329.8. Can I just note how precious it is that you keep keeping track of the Stardates? I am. Even though they mean literally nothing in the context of original series. I'm track of the Stardates, and that was one of my questions. Was this filmed earlier and supposed to air? Was this one of the ones that was aired out of order? They don't progress numerically. In fact, um, until I think the third season, they're mostly just random numbers picked out of the ether. The star dates? Um, Oh yeah, they're nonsense. I think the first six episodes, math that out, yes, that works. They'd kind of been filming simultaneously. Like that was a rush. And then this one they started doing one after another. I don't think it was necessarily filmed earlier. Okay. um, Because you'll notice that Yeoman Rand is gone. Yeah, Yeah, there was no Rand. No, but again, there's no DeForest Kelly. um, There's no... There was... The only, like, people that we recognize, I think, as core crewmen Mm -hmm. was Kirk, Spock, there was some Uhura. Mm -hmm. Was McCoy in this? No. No, no McCoy. No. And you got some chapel. This was... This was chapel. You got lots of chapel. The one chapel episode. Yeah. Which I feel bad for. Um, And we come up on this ho-hum blue planet and all we see is Chapel's boobs and the shortest skirt I have ever seen. I'm sorry, I felt awful for that actress. Awful. That actress is Majel Barrett who was married to the guy who She was not married at the time. Oh! No, not until later. No. Apparently there were some uh, um, feelings about that uh, at the studio and on the show. But, um... She does get a lot of soft lighting. (laughs) But then again, so does Kirk. (laughs) So, apparently they are looking for her fiancé. Yes. Yes. Who has been not in contact for five years. Yeah, he's been missing for five years. The reasonable assumption, of course, would be that he is dead. Okay, but why wouldn't you go looking for him after, like, year one? See, okay, here's my real question. Um, Because he's been missing for five years. Yeah. And... Kirk says two previous expeditions have failed, have failed to find, to find him. Yeah. Why are they here now? That's what I don't understand. I don't know why they're here, but but like they did go looking for him, Kareem. This yeah. wasn't just like they didn't just like, oh, he's gone. Oh well, and she moved on with her life. You just say, why didn't they go looking yeah, for him? Yeah, but two expeditions one? in five years, why would they go back? Why wouldn't they just assume he was That's the other super thing, dead? Is that we get that little bit from Kirk that is later elaborated on that uh, Chapel had some big wig, like, bio research career back on Earth that she gave up to sign on with a starship. And it's not totally spelled out at this juncture, but later on we find it's basically because she wanted to go and look for her fiancé. I have really so mixed feelings about this. is like a Lady that. Franklin situation. <laughs> huh. 
suddenly this episode becomes much better. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a little bit tragic. Her fiance was like lost on an expedition. It's like he went off into the Arctic. Yeah, but instead of saying, it was the, the Arctic, Arctic. <laughs> the actual Arctic. This yeah. is a ice hell planet. Yet another hell planet. What did he think was going to happen when he beamed down onto that planet? How did he I get there? Why someone who was an expert in what is it? What was it? Vaccines. Is that what his thing was? That he was, was an anthropologist. No, 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 he no, was. No, no, no. I wrote it down here somewhere because it was really stupid, and I don't know if I'm going to find it. It was like, um, oh, Jesus, I can't find it now. It was something like a, oh, my God. He wrote the book on the the power of archaeological records. Uh, he was like, <sighs> the pastor of archaeological records, she oh, said, rereading her handwriting again. Yeah, he was not. He's not a... Like, uh, ooh, I was about to say scientist, but whew. he's not a biologist. He is an archaeological oh. medicine. So he was, so it was going into dead or old civilizations and looking uh. for what he could find medically. Oh, like, it's like old the, medical research, old like medical the, technology. The guy who collected the seeds in the Flavia de Luce books. Oh. He was an archaeological botanist. He should have beamed down on that planet and go, oh, this is a frozen hellscape, and then beamed himself up. Yeah. What do we know about archaeologists in a sense of appropriate danger? If I've learned anything from Stargate, it's that they are not to be trusted with decision-making. No. 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 Which brings me back to... Oh, well, we'll get there later. Anyways, so they're on planet, like, XO3, and Spock starts a PowerPoint presentation... Spock always has a PowerPoint presentation for every situation. Do you he's think always he, prepared. Uh, do you think he spends, like, his nights going, yes. oh, what, what could the captain possibly ask about that he's I can put really ready? really the best administrative assistant you've ever <laughs> asked for. The question is always what font you want to use. He did use some really funky fonts, actually. Although I did notice and disapproved of the fact that an awful lot of them were serif fonts. Really? Yeah. That's because you don't appreciate the finer things in life. Like serifs. In digital displays, they have no place. But I guess it's the yeah. 60s and they don't really have an idea of full digital display. So I'm going to let it go. Will you? Thanks. <laughs> so anyways, Corby is the Louis Pasteur of archaeological records. And let me ask the table, who has Louis Pasteur as their go-to reference? I am extremely baffled by this. I think maybe the author, whoever wrote the episode, had just like read Blah. a biography on Pasteur. And was like, oh, he's a scientist? And thought naturally, the one scientist that I know. This is my primary reference for records management. It was a bizarre reference. So it's Louis Pasteur who invented pasteurization, which <laughs> gets rid of bacteria in milk. Stop me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Roughly yeah. correct. Yeah. Except in France, where you can have delicious bacteria-filled. Milk. Oh, jeez, they're so good in their milk. Green, back on track. Anyway, <laughs> okay, he did a, a thing. So why would you compare anyone to him unless you are also boiling milk? He's boiling the records first before you review them? (laughs) That's definitely not how records work. But again, like, why wouldn't you say, like, he's the Einstein of archaeological medicine or the Newton? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Pester was his, like, ancestor. Maybe. That's the only thing that makes sense. Moving on. Which is apparently required reading at the Academy. There are a lot of strange things that are required reading at the Academy. Like archaeological medicine. Yeah. Just in case. And Kirk has a giant man crush on this guy. Oh, yeah. Giant. Giant. And 
he then goes over to Spock to kind of review his PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. and says, the odds are he's not alive. This is fair. Chapel is standing right there. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right there. Way to be sensitive, Kirk. To be fair, maybe it's really loud on the bridge. There is no music in this episode. Not very much. Like, not any, like, background There was a little bit. Music? I can't remember any. In a couple of places, but there not, was not a lot. It wasn't, it wasn't as noticeable. I it agree. was noticeable when it was so quiet, I found. Like, maybe it's just because how boring this episode is. It was really boring. Is boring. that I'm like, oh, maybe we need some, like, rattlesnakes to spice this up. <laughs> <laughs> so, there are underground tunnels on this ice hell planet. Yeah, because that's what they were investigating when they went missing. Yeah, and they're kind of pinging or around. was it that they sent a message saying they had found tunnels before they disappeared? Yeah. Dear di- dear honey, we have underground tunnels. And then nothing for five years. And then... They're also getting no signal from the surface. No, and again, they sent two expeditions down. They found nothing. So by all means, let's visit again. On the off chance? I don't... Maybe it's like the once a year where you go to this planet with maybe. like two people on it to deliver medical exams. Maybe it's every three <laughs> years we go to this frozen hellscape and do a quick scan. Starfleet needs to do a resource audit. Yeah. But then they hear back, it's Roger Corby! Roger Corby! I'm here! Boop boop. Well, that's convenient for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it? we go to the bad theme song. Oh, no, no, no. Before, I think we should all take a moment to appreciate uh, Majel Barrett's eyeliner. Was it good? Oh, it was so good. Because she kind of looks, when she hears the voice, she looks down and does a little smile. I was mostly busy noticing that her wig seemed to be slightly askew for most of the episode. I assumed that was deliberate. There is some asymmetrical business going on. Again, it looks as if a cat climbed up on her head and died. Yeah, her hair was not good in this episode. Her hair is not good in any episode. (laughs) I'm going to have to humbly disagree because it's Mashal Barrett and everything looks fabulous on her. I'm going to unhumbly disagree and tell you that you're dumb. So we get, uh, after the theme song, we get the, the title flashed on the screen. What are little girls made of? I'm going to spoil you guys here because it's robots. Little girls are made of robots. To be fair, little boys are also made of robots. Yes. Everybody's made of robots. Everyone is robots. I'm made or... of robots. You're made of robots. <laughs> robots for everyone. Oh, this was an episode where it's like, wait a second. Everybody's a robot. That's yes. what's so weird about this. Um, so Dr. Corby uh, says that they've taken shelter for the past five years in some <laughs> underground ruins. Eating what? This is a good question also, that I really wish they would ask immediately. Also, why did they choose to get in touch right now? What about the other two expeditions? Did I they just not they hear ate them? <laughs> they ate them? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have been able to report back. Well, we didn't hear that they report back. They sent two expeditions, but period. They said sentence. they found nothing. That's because they were dead. No, but they must have reported back. They just found no sign of them. What do you think those android sacks are made out of? I was wondering that, too. Oh, this episode didn't make any sense. No, but uh, I contended it is still better than Nikki time. Yeah. And Wrong. Then, and, then, <laughs> and then Dr. Corby requests, he says he has an extraordinary request uh, that Captain Kirk beam down alone. Now, uh, well, wait, can I play <laughs> Kareem here for a moment? Okay. Red flag! <laughs> Because when some guy who's been missing for five years and his first request is like, can you come down here alone? By yourself? Red flag! And all anybody on the bridge has to say is, that's an unusual request. Gee, 
that's weird. And Kirk's response is, ah, but the man making it is Roger Corby. You don't know it! (laughs) Interjection. Yes. The first episode, Man Trap, we have a being that is able to replicate from someone's memories their voice. And their form. And we don't even have that much evidence in this case because it's a crackly radio <laughs> transmission from the surface of an ice hell planet. Where two expeditions have disappeared on, which I will contend to unless I have evidence of <laughs> That we have no proof of any kind that this is Roger Corby, except because uh, everybody turns to Chapel and says, have you ever been... Uh, engaged? Cha- no, no, no. Chapel turns to Spock and is like, Spock is... "Have you ever been engaged?" Which, spoiler alert, yes, yes! and is at this point. Uh, uh, yeah. So this, I mean, this just goes back to what we were talking about last week, where like the lack of continuity between episodes yeah. and everybody forgets just makes everybody look dumb. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. Yeah. Speaking of dumb, <gasps> the voice dumb. of Corby is like, "Christine, Christine, where are you?" <laughs> Ship, you dumbass! Ship that you just hailed. Are you sure you want to reunite with this idiot? Gosh. Oh, and so it's like, by all means, you beam down too. So let's get this straight. Dangerous hell planet. Mm -hmm. Five years missing. Not two weeks ago, we had someone who was a shapeshifter. But let's definitely send down our captain and our nurse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we give them weapons? No. No. This is definitely a brilliant idea on everybody's part. (laughs) And I love the setup. It makes me filled with joy. (laughs) To be fair, Kirk does request two security officers. When they beam down and there's no one there. Yeah, only after they get down to the planet. Damn it, Kirk, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Okay, so Kirk and and Chapel are leaving, and probably my favorite moment from the entire episode, and the only thing that was worth anything happened, which is that as she passes Ahura, they hug and give each other a little peck on the cheek. It was so sweet. That was a good moment. I like it. The moments where it seems like they are kind of a family, that they spend time together, that was such a nice moment. Yes. I like when you have shows like this where people are like going to be trapped in a bottle with each other for ages and ages when they act like they actually know something about each other. Mm. It's very nice. It is nice. It is nice. So the frigid blondes beam down to the snow planet where they are not cold. Not cold. Chapel's not even, she's not wearing a coat. She's not wearing stockings. Her skirt is so short. It's just practically like a cooch cover. <laughs> I was going to say a vagina curtain, but that works too. <laughs> Ari, what's your descriptor? I like both of those. <laughs> equally. Uh, so they're short. Though, a labia lid. <laughs> Ooh. No, I don't know if that one works like logistically. I think uh, the vagina curtain lines. is better. How's that? <laughs> better. Thank you, you're welcome. Um, but they, they're indoors because there's like glass or space glass or some kind. Whatever, they are not side. cold, which doesn't make any sense. There's no space glass. They were in the, the mouth of the cave. It, they were in the mouth glass. of the cave. I disagree, but we're going to move on. Because the important part is, is that there are phallic icicles, which I have spent the last 45 minutes trying to figure out how that would work. They're not icicles. They're rock. No, they're icicles. They're no. made out of ice. They're not. Kirk rips one off the ceiling. They're stalactites. Yeah. Is it stalactite no. or stalagmite? Stalactite. I know the mnemonic okay. for this. Okay. They are stalactites because you hang your tights down. And they are stalagmites because it takes might to shove up from the earth. I learned that in a mine when I was a child. Was it Britannia? 
Is that no. Where, is that where you grew up, Cam? No. <laughs> I went on a mine tour up in Trail visiting my grandmother one summer, and the, they taught us that it's tights, so just you, they come from the ceiling. You just think about when you hang your tights up to dry, and I've always remembered that. Wow, yeah, that is actually really helpful. No, these are stalagmites. No, stalactites, the hanging ones. No, I'm talking There's about both. the stalagmites. They're both. No, I'm concerned about the stalagmites, which are definitely made of snow. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Rock. Oh no, they are. Ladies, not. they are styrofoam, as we discussed. <laughs> no, naturally occurring styrofoam. No, because here's the deal: if they are made of snow, which they definitely are, because that is what they are made out of. How did they form? How is that even possible? That's why they can't be made. Of no, snow. but they are made of snow. Green. How would you get that green? Yes, aliens. They're <laughs> Kim, there are no aliens in this episode. There are only robots. Well, there, I, that's not true. There's uh, the android alien. He's he an is android. a robot. Yeah, but he's. I think you're getting him. hung up on a really stupid. No, plot I'm point. really, I think, so and I think we should, really uh, upset about this cave of wonders. I was actually thinking that apart from, if you don't get too close <laughs> to the details, if it weren't for the really terrible acoustics and lighting, they would almost be convincing cave walls. I wasn't actually looking that closely because I was writing my notes, but it was dumb. Well. Okay, so we get the security men, they're set up in this cave of wonders, then they kind of, like, twiddle their thumbs waiting for this guy to show up, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. none of them thinks, gee, it's been five years, he doesn't know how long it takes to walk to his front door. Yeah. No one's worried. And apparently only blondes are allowed in this crew. And then again, I have penis icicles, how, 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 how. One of the red shirts, actually, the one they leave behind is dark haired. Yeah, because he was a dirty blonde. He, only blondes dark, dark, allowed dark, in the cave. Dirty, only blondes. He has to stay by the Brunettes on the outside. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like, inside. Kirk and Chapel walk down this bizarre, twisty thing or whatever. This bizarre, twisty ledge, which if I had been there for five years, I think I would have at least put up like a, a sign. A, a health and safety notice. Warning. Yeah. Bottomless yeah. chasm. Most important is that Kirk is like a panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chapel almost goes off the edge, though. Chapel has been walking for 30 plus years. And it's apparently never seen a ledge before. Well, it gives away under her foot. Uh, no, it doesn't. There is a rock. And she steps deliberately on the rock and then pretends to fall. Mm-hmm. Acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're having a really problem with the details of this episode. I really am, because... To be fair, there's not a whole hell of a lot of plot to distract us from the details. No, I, I generally like the plot, but the details of this have really angered me, because... <laughs> because... Because... Stalagmite penis snow things, but that doesn't matter because in a cave it's the water that carves those out. So how would you do that if it was snow? It's not snow. Snow does not move like water. Anyway. Snow hoodoos. Uh after Chapel almost goes over the edge, they hold hands because that's a totally normal thing to do with your captain. For it's sure. For safety. Sure, sure. Um and then they're blinded by a bright light. Okay, deep question, and I know I'm harping on the details on this one. <laughs> What the hell was that blue light? I do not know. It shines. It Let me set spotlight. this up for BS to kind of loom up out of like Batman. So they've got the the mouth of the cave, then their windly windly thing, which is not good for people who don't know how to walk. And then there is another entrance where they have a giant blue spotlight set up 
For some reason. To shine in the faces of the people who are trying to walk across the incredibly dangerous ledge. So I think what they've been doing for the last five years and two previous rescue missions is just working on their dramatic lighting. They've been staging this. And that's the only thing that makes sense. Mm, they did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. All, the, the, all the days in those five years are definitely worth it. Yeah. And it's uh, Corby's assistant. Dr. Brown. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, my compatriot. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and Chapel recognizes him. And, uh, well, you guys him. missed a bit. What? The red shirt died. Not until right after this. In As a second. They, they see him, and she's like, oh! Brown. Definitely Basically, brown? yeah. About two oh. seconds after they greet each other, and, and Chapel's like, don't you recognize me? And and then you hear, beep, boop, 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 not. Oh yeah, I totally do. And uh, Brown says, "I'll take you to Doctor Corby," and they turn. And literally, the second that uh, <laughs> our three, like uh, Doctor Brown and Kirk and Chapel, start walking, and the red shirt is just a little bit off screen. It's about two seconds, and then you hear Scrabble, Scrabble, Scrabble. Ah! Because and he has fallen off the ledge. Because this is Supposedly. the cave of forgetting how to walk. Apparently, although in his case, it's the cave of being pushed off of the ledge into a bottomless pit by an angry robot, but we don't know that yet. Um, and uh, Kirk and Chapel, of course, run to the edge because, oh my god, someone just fell off the edge into a bottomless pit. And Kirk's like, "Can is there a path down there? Could he maybe have hit a ledge or something? And Brown's like, no, there's nothing. It's bottomless. <laughs> and his reaction is... I think I did a pretty good version of his tone. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, do, one, more, let more me do one better. Um, and they're like, oh. And he says... <coughs> I should be able to do those because we are like fellow, mm-hmm. we are practically fr- family members. He says, unfortunate, <laughs> terribly unfortunate. <laughs> and no one is like, oh. Actually, no, because that's when Chapel looks at him and goes, she's sort of like, you're acting real weird. Don't you recognize me? And his face goes from completely expressional to this extremely manufactured smile. Christine. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> and then his face goes blank again. <clears throat> Red flag. Yes. Yeah. Okay, at this point, Kirk should, in my notes I say use the force, but he gets a bad <laughs> feeling about this, yeah. and he starts talking to the other security, the brunette that they left at the door, um, who, as he's talking, is... <laughs> Someone has to take this over. <laughs> I can't say this out loud. As he is talking, a eight foot, nine foot, twelve foot man dressed as like the most flamboyant bargain basement vampire you've ever seen <laughs> lurches up behind him and kills him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's important that, that right before this happens, Kirk contacts him and says, Okay, you radio the ship, tell them that uh, we found Dr. Corby, and send down some more people with weapons. Uh, and then he sort of signs off, and about and before he gets a chance to call the ship, because why would you want to call the ship yourself when you have a red shirt who can fail to do it for you? Valid point. Yeah, yeah. Let's harp on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> why not just call the ship yourself? What? You can't make your own phone calls, Kirk. Yeah, that's why he brought the assistant. Maybe their little handheld communicators couldn't reach the surface through the cave wall and they need the dude stationed at the entrance. That's what I'm going with. Maybe. Fine. I will also, allow that. It, also, it makes no sense story-wise if he 
if they don't have any way to interrupt, like, to make the message go astray. Yeah. But the important part is, is that a 15-foot man... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just keeps getting taller. ...dressed as a Evil. bargain basement vampire... Oh, and he's super bald! I called him Baldy in my notes. Igor. I called him Lurch. <laughs> that works, too. Um, he's, his face is gray. Oh, he's Lurch-like. got some very contoured cheekbones, which uh-huh. are drawn on with brown crayons. And hollowed eyes. Yeah, so, like, I haven't had sleep in two days. And he is wearing what can only be described as a gray vampire outfit. Yeah, it's Except sort of more bathrobe than... Uh... <laughs> bathrobe? That's a really good way yeah, of describing like, it. But inside, it's what is, like... What is it called? The um... 1970s cravat business. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a pink marbled cravat. Yeah. It's a it, very odd combination. If you stumbled back into time into a shower in the 70s, it would be very much like that. <laughs> if you time-traveled through showers. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> okay, but the other thing is that we need to bring up is that Chapel was Corby's student. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, right. And so Corby shows up and... No, he does not show up. No, because no. the next person we meet is Andrea. No, okay. I'm going to pick another bone here. I have a million bones to pick. Mm-hmm. Andrea? 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 Yeah, no one said it the same. No one twice. says it the same. People say her name twice, even though they are the same person yeah. saying the same word. Mm-hmm. I Everyone, did not notice that. It was yeah, just well, Andrea. Every time me. someone said it, it was different. Actually, Chapel said it the same way every time. No, she did not. She's the only one who did, but she only said it twice. Anyways, she is a space babe wearing overalls with no underalls. Why doesn't the girl version of this uniform get a shirt? Because women don't wear tops, Ari. I, I know. I'm just, just acting from a, a modern, practical, like a purely sartorial perspective. Why is, waste fabric? The way that this looks, because we see Corby right after this, is that is it like they get less clothing, the less senior in the hierarchy of the underground <laughs> space refugee lab they are. It is an impressive outfit. It's funny looking back on the fashion because everyone's boobs are so pointy. Yeah. yeah. So pointy. Her, her outfit, though, is so... I find it's it's not like it's shocking, but it's like it's really obvious how not how she, how not of a shirt she is wearing. <laughs> because everyone else's version of this has, like, underlayers or sleeves. And an undershirt. Sides of an underall. Because basically all this is is she's wearing pants and boots and then there's just two strips of fabric crossing over her boobs, and then little tiny straps in the back going down to the waistline. Yeah. Apparently the actress, so Sherry Jackson, wore this to a convention where they were trying to drum up some support oh, to uh, for Star Trek, and it went about as well as you can imagine oh. it. Oh, no. Yeah. Poor thing. Yeah. It's absolutely baffling. I like the color combo. If you could have left the arms bare and still given sides to this number, it makes She no could have sense. had a sexy open back for yeah. no particular reason. Sure, fine. Why not? Why not? But oh. plunging necklines? Sure. That's the weird thing is there is the, the neckline is quite high. It's just the sides that go all the way up and down. Yeah. It is the most bizarre, and I keep thinking of whatever 1960s version of Hollywood fashion tape must have been holding that business together. 
I assume they just glued it on her. Spirit gum. <laughs> oh, that would be very unpleasant in certain places. Um, I did really enjoy the side eye that Chapel gave her when <laughs> yeah. she came in, though. That was beautiful. Yeah. How was no one's robot dar pinging? Like, I all of them also. standing there going, oh, these people are definitely robots. <laughs> Yeah, the, Andrea is definitely a robot. Like definitely a robot. All the boxes ticked here. Funny expressions, odd choice of words. Yeah, and then Corby shows up and gives Chapel some neck smooches. Okay, mm-hmm. can I just say because whatever living quarters they're in, Corby comes from an inside room or something. Yeah, he had not started up there to meet them. He had absolutely no intention of walking up there to meet them. Even yep. he was like, "I'll see you at the entrance." Mm-hmm. He was not planning to meet them. What was the plan there? Sending Brown. Was- Planning, cause, cause Brown was on his way up to meet them. Like, what was he happening might have here? Been no, wait, by it else. makes no sense. No, I know this is like the thing. This is this is my stalagmites. Is that he said I will meet you at the entrance? They beam down, and he, and he was, just doesn't. He was still in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know. It's an excellent question. I mean, plot wise, we needed an excuse for Igor to you know murder as many people as they could get away with, and they needed Kirk and they needed her, but. Why not I just guess. have Corby show up in the bright blue light? I don't know. It, it maybe makes he was no prepping. Sense. Maybe he was prepping the Play-Doh. No, <laughs> it's shellac, Ari. It's shellac. He doesn't because they had like a creepy Play-Doh body ready to roll. Maybe he was sculpting it <laughs> <laughs> lovingly, <laughs> gently, <laughs> massaging it. Anyways. Oh, don't say massaging. <laughs> Anyways, Corby shows up and immediately starts, like, smacking on Chapel's neck with her boss right, right there. there. Yeah. Right there. And then immediately, Brown is like, it's a drop! Yeah. What? Because Kurt, well, Kurt tries to call uh, the second writer who was standing at the door. Oh, yeah. And then he's, he's dead. And then Brown is like, uh, I can't let you do that, Captain. Pulls out a gun. Or a phaser. A phaser. Yeah. Anyway, he shows up the phaser and it's a drop! Yeah. Okay, and... At this point starts one of my favorite sequences of this entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) Where Kirk grabs Andrea by the neck, aims a phaser? Yeah, it's a hand phaser. Hand phaser at her neck. And you think, oh, he's got a hostage. Except then he turns it on that. Yeah, fine. This was amazing. (laughs) I have a hostage. And you're like, okay, Kirk. Smooth, smooth. Now, what you need to do is negotiate your way out of the situation. Grab Chapel, like take your take yourselves up to the door, and then beam yourselves up, leaving the hostage behind. Right, right, right. Very wrong, wrong. <laughs> he takes her as hostage. <laughs> then <laughs> I don't even know how to do. I don't, he like tumbles. <laughs> he like somersaults away to get some space. Or something. Yeah, something like, like that. a. <laughs> Circus clown. It made no sense. He circs de soleil's behind a table. And, and lets her go. Oh. And lets her go. And then crouches there. <laughs> like a panther. <laughs> and then phasers Brown. And like, is that, is, is that it for Brown? Is Brown That's dead? it for Brown. Well, Brown is not dead, but his chest explodes into wires. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, what? What? Oh, what? shit, robots. Robot. Which, frankly, they should have figured out as soon as they beamed down onto oh, that planet. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, 
we go back to the ship, and they're getting a transmission from supposedly Captain Kirk. No, 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 Baldy runs in first, though. He comes in, and he grabs Kirk and holds him, like, <laughs> way up on the wall, like, 25 feet up yeah, on the wall. Yeah, that's because he's 20 hole. feet tall, this man. And Kirk looks tiny. Tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny. <laughs> I wonder if they got, like, a very svelte toddler to be his stunt double for that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, so we go back to the bridge, and there are ladies... That's all that I have notes for. It is unimportant. I don't even remember going back to the bridge. They get a transmission from the ship, and it sounds like Kirk. Um, oh, yeah. Telling oh. him, telling them... Um, Everything is a-okay. It's fine. We just need to go through his stuff. We'll call you in a while. Uh, we go back to the planet. And it's actually Igor talking in Kirk's voice. Yeah, so... Lurch- Which is admittedly very unsettling. It is. Uh-huh. Kirk's smooth, smooth tones coming out of that fugly face. Anyways, so Lurk... Lurch is an amazing mimic, and we're mm-hmm. supposed to be like, whoa. And at some point during the scene, after they have uh, cut the transmission with the ship, Corby turns to Christine and says, Trust me. Uh, <coughs> may I? You yep. may. Red flag! <laughs> so here's the thing. At this point, he goes into a giant monologue about how crazy he is. <laughs> yes, his justification for all of this oh. is that he's discovered something amazing. <laughs> That he needs to explain to Kirk and Christine first because people are stupid. Because people are stupid, and he doesn't want the lay people's misunderstandings to destroy his discovery before he has a chance to share it with the world. I don't know what lay people he's talking about. Because I just do not know. Ship full of scientists who doesn't want to be turned into a robot. Yeah. Me, I don't. I don't want to be a robot. But you can live forever. Oh, I don't yeah, want to. Much like forever. Hitler said, we could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to live forever. Which comes in later. So, and he says, you know, Rock or Lurch or whatever his actual okay, name okay. is. Okay, okay. Can we yeah. stop here and actually discuss what this thing's name was? Because I could not tell for the entire episode if it was Rock or Brock. Like, R-O-C-K or B-R-O-C-K. It actually, because I had to look this up as well. Because I had Rock, Brock, Lock, Lurch. <laughs> it is R-U-K. Rock? Rock? Whatever, I just call them Baldy because I could not, literally could not understand what people were trying to say. That is fair enough. And uh, Corby explains that he is an android, he is a robot, and that the rock had to destroy them because he was protecting the experiments, which was against my wishes, but he only does the what kill- I tell him the to. Was. Yeah, the yeah. killing of the two red shirts. That his, his logical computer brain viewed the red shirts as a threat to Corby, and he's programmed to protect Corby, so he killed them against Corby's wishes. If you can't spot the logical conundrum in there. Look, I almost failed logic <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if I had written any of this out, I'd have been like, oh shit. No, there's a problem here. Because yeah. it kills things and doesn't listen to me. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, uh, yeah. I mean, that was, this was a major, major like, problem. He totally does everything I say, but sometimes he murders people. It's no big deal. <laughs> you fine. should definitely just trust me and do whatever I say. Yeah, and then he tells them that Rock was left by the old ones, a.k.a. the civilization that used to inhabit this planet. But doesn't anymore. No. I wonder why. No. Oh, I don't know. Where mm. did they go? Did the android, who maybe doesn't always listen to instructions, have something to do with that? Who murders people 90% of the time? Of his own volition. Yeah. With with no instructions. With very, like, slender reasoning for doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's um, not think too... And he was apparently turning the machinery, because computers, like beds, have to be turned once a month. Well, sure. Um, they also told him that they built Brown, 
Dr. Brown. It's yeah. unclear whether Dr. Brown was a robot or the kind of thing that they make later where he's a copy. Oh, he's a copy. He's, he's a, copy a copy of the real Dr. Brown. The, okay. one, the one that I can't tell if it was something that was created or was a copy was Andrea. Was she a was she created like an android that they programmed basically to so. bang? I yeah. Think so yeah, because he goes th- through this whole spiel about how she's not a real person; she just does what she's told. Yeah, and it gets all very uncomfortable and sex slavery. But, I mean, he wasn't um, having sex. No, I don't. Oh, think he, he was, was definitely oh, yeah. having sex. With I don't her. think he was. I don't oh, think he was. oh my god! Was. I have an underlined note that says, "Was Corby banging <laughs> this android?" I don't think he, he was. was Definitely oh, no. having sex with her. Oh no. yes. No, no, no. Oh no. yes, yes. Because in his head, in Corby's head, he was human mm-hmm. and he was better than her and she was a thing. Yes. yes. Which is why he could have sex with her <gasps> and have no emotional connection well, no. to her. Well he says I don't think so. He, yes, he, he goes too. through the whole thing at the end about how he doesn't have any feelings for her. She's just a thing to be used. He was definitely using her as a sex bot. I don't actually think that Corby had those urges anymore. Oh, I think he did. Because he was a robot. Yeah, but he was all over Christine as soon as he saw her. The first thing he did was kiss her. Kissing is not necessarily a sexual act, though. But it's just with your fiancé? Yeah, but that would have... No. I I think in in Corby's head that it was. Like, he had reduced it very simply. Like, uh, Christine is my fiancé. When I meet my fiancé, I kiss her because I am happy to see her. This is how people greet each other. Yeah. But I really think because he thought he was still human or, like, his program had convinced him... That he was above her. I don't. I, in I my don't. opinion, watching that episode, I didn't get the impression that no, he was having sex with her. Not even a little bit. In my opinion, watching that episode, he was definitely having sex with her. Have to agree to disagree because yeah, absolutely <laughs> don't think so. Absolutely think so. Uh, Chapel definitely thinks so though. Oh yeah, oh, Chapel yeah. is like, <laughs> oh, so you've been having sex with this robot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they he straight up he's like, yeah, everyone's a robot. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and all Kirk, because uh, he basically, he's going through this whole spiel. He's like, he wants to convince Kirk and Christine, who at, at, a minute ago, by the way, he, before he starts going into his crazy spiel, he tells Igor he's not to harm Christine. Mm-hmm. And Kirk's like, or disobey her orders, because he's trying to sort of work because around Kirk things. is a sexy beast. And a strategist. <laughs> oh, his brain because is Corby so amazing. Says, Igor, you are also to obey Christine. Which will come in handy use later. Yep. But we also have, I also have in my notes that Andrea goes to see Christine because she do, because Andrea doesn't understand emotion. Yeah, after. No, she, does, she doesn't em- understand emotion at all. And she reveals herself to be an android to Christine. And she's yeah. like, oh, you're an android you didn't know? And, <laughs> and I'm like, I knew. We all yeah, knew. Everyone knew. It was just Everyone you knew. Too. But there's a point, again, where Kirk tries to attack Corby and run away. Well, yeah, he says, because uh, all Corby wants to do is convince them. And Kirk's like, you convince me you're dangerous. No, no, no. No, no. Because it said, like... He is Errol Flynn, dressed as Robin Hood, <laughs> about to grab the chandelier rope and jump to save me. You've convinced me. Now that you're dangerous! Yeah. He does this twice in this episode, and it's amazing. Is it only twice? It. Yeah, where okay. he does that kind of throwaway amazing yeah. line. Uh, this is when we go to Christine and Andrea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andrea's like, I don't understand. You're, you're with Roger again. Why aren't you happy? Because all she understands of happy is cause and effect. Because she's a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christine just keeps going, where's the fucking captain? I am a Starfleet officer, and you people are fucking robots. No, I think she's super upset. She, oh, she's very upset, but she's also trying to be, you know, 
yeah. deal with the she situation. She implies that Andrea is a sex bot. Yes. Yeah. And she definitely does. And yeah. This is your mechanical geisha. Yeah. Yes. He comes yeah. back in and he says, shall we start with Andrea? And she's like, yes, let's start with Andrea. <laughs> yeah. And Because, like, I mean, what other point? I mean, yeah, he created Andrea maybe as an experiment or something. That's what I figured. But why would he make a woman unless... He was going to use her like that is the I mean part of this is, is that's for me is the whole thing is like if you're going to if you're like on a planet with another dude and you've created another dude and you have dude templates like, why go out of the way to create one woman who's all nice and pliable for you he might have had a lady template we don't know I think what he was trying to do in his head he talks about like refining the process and making it perfect and I don't think she perfect was the first. world no, I think he'd gone through several layers before he got to Brown as well. Think people or machines without emotions, without jealousy, without hatred or anything. That was his perfect world. I think he was creating an Adam and an Eve. And I think that's why he made her. And he was Adam. I'm so- he wasn't. Brown was. No, he was banging Andrea. <sighs> well, maybe they both were, but he definitely was. Anyways, so he says, Andrea, kiss Kirk. Then slap him. Psh, psh. So we've gone through the entire gamut of people's reactions, women's reactions to James Kirk in about three seconds. <laughs> and really, all I want to do is like run my hands through his hair and goes, "Your brain's so smart." Um, she, and he's like, "It's a she's a, it's a thing, not a woman," which is kind of awful. Yeah. And then we get into my favorite section, the which, demo, the demo, <laughs> where you get to grow your own Captain Kirk. Yeah. It even kind of looks like a chia pet. God. No, what it is, and I looked this up, is a thaumatrope. So, do you remember, you guys are in Girl Guides, but I was not. And it might have been brownies, I can never keep these straight. Where on one side of a round piece of paper, you had a bird. Uh And then on the other side of the paper, you had the bird's nest. And you put string in between, you wound it up. And then you flipped it around really fast. That's what he built. That is how you make androids. (laughs) Using the same technology with a little bit of boop, 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 boop. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, analog dials and switches and some plugs also. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like my an old-fashioned operator console for a telephone. My comments for this section can be summed up as, this is taking forever and I'm getting dizzy. I felt that a lot from this point onward in this episode. So essentially, he, they just spin them round, right uh, round, we, we need, like a we record We need to baby. detail what this looks like because it's a big round table with a divider in the middle. And on one yes. side oh, is naked the... James Kirk. Yeah. With his uh, private business barely covered. Barely covered, and I'm pretty sure we get to see up it at one point. There are definitely some tantalizing intentional shadows there. And on the other side, we have Green Play-Doh Man. <laughs> Yeah. I I looked at that and I thought a couple of things. One was it actually does look like a chia pet, but I thought play doh. The other was soylent green. Oh yeah, yeah. I, so, I was thinking of like the golems from yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That has to have been intentional because yeah. it's so like they look like every like every depiction I've ever seen of a golem. Yeah, except bright green. When we see naked Kirk, there is the snake sound effect. Yeah, I would like <laughs> to point out. <laughs> Which I enjoyed a lot. And there's kind of metal towel over his... Like a box. Yeah, over his junk. 
Um, he has tiny ankles. Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone else? I really enjoy how much attention you paid to detail here. Well, that's because when I was reading the behind ankles. the scenes, they definitely had to shave his chest. And I was like, well, I want to pay proper attention to this for the sacrifices that were made. <laughs> and I did. Okay, but here's the thing about the Play-Doh Man. Okay. Is that I will grant you fine that spinning something around really, really fast will impart its thoughts, its deeds, sure, its entire not? physical being and voice into a Play-Doh person. Sure. Okay. Why not? Fine. But the law of conservation of mass dictates that matter cannot be lost or destroyed, and that Play-Doh man was, like, two feet smaller than him. Yeah. He was a lot wider, though. Also, maybe it was, like, super dense material. They just stretched it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. The molds, the little people molds that they had, were exactly Kirk-sized. <laughs> <laughs> so they could only make people exactly this tall. Yeah. So here is my other thought after I watch this, is that I definitely want the new Star Trek movie to be this. <laughs> <laughs> just Chris Pine spinning around naked. Tale of Two, Cl- <laughs> Tale of two Pines. <laughs> I would, like androids. I would like android replacement robots. I would like two of each character, and I would like them to have to destroy each other. Mirrorverse? No, no. Kill your devil. Are you for real, Mirrorverse? Shut your face. No, I want robots. <laughs> I want scenes with everyone spun around, right round like a record baby, and then they have to destroy their robot others. Kill your Anyways. devil. Anyways, so Kirk looks exactly like a Ken doll. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Chapel is like, what the Cause he's fuck trying- happened to you? Yeah. This is where we find out that she was his student. Yep. Yep. Definitely appropriate. And 100%. Corby is like, if I beamed up to that vessel with a bunch of androids in tow, it would have been curiosities. They would have thought I was mad. And I'm like, yeah, this looks a lot saner. When an Way entire saner. ship of people Space thinks you're crazy. doppelgangers. Definitely the, the same choice. Back the ship. And so, spin, 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 ding! Like a microwave or a toaster. Yes. And then there are two Kirks, and Corby says to Chapel, which one is your captain? She can't tell. Nope, because they're identical. Well, I would argue that if she really wanted to know, the one that is not Kirk is the one that would set off a metal detector. Yeah. Again, amazing plot device for the new Star Trek movie, just saying. Call me. While the last bit is happening, because he's like, okay, we've replicated his body, now we have to copy over his mind. And yeah. Kirk starts muttering really loudly and repetitively. Yeah, because um, Kirk is a sexy genius. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. He says, mind your business, Mr. Right. Spock. You I'm s- sick of your half-breed interference. Which yes. Is really mean. It's super mean. Really mean. Couldn't yeah. he have instead implanted, Spock, this is robot me. <laughs> <laughs> help, help. Yeah, Spock help would have been easier. Actually, Spock think. help, yeah, that yeah. would have been. Yeah. But I guess because he's trying to impart something that the the robot version of him would think was something he would legit say in a non-suspicious trying to rat out his robot compatriot situation. I again, if I was in this situation, and again, we have code words if each of us have yes. been replaced by a robot, chameleon, shapeshifter, alien, body switcher. Yes, I don't have a code word. We'll come up oh, with that. Oh shit, Kim's that. robot. She doesn't remember. <laughs> It's okay, we'll come up with a new one when we're done. Okay. Green, do wipe that suspicious look off your face. No oh red flags here. <laughs> Kim's an android. Kim's an android! No red flags here. Make her here. eat some food. Did we actually see her eat food tonight? She didn't Androids can't eat food. Robot might just be fuel for her steam-powered insides. 
Anyways, so... <laughs> so, okay. And, like, all of your memories will be transposed. But that is not true because Mr. Brown did not remember Christine. Or at least... No, he did not remember Christine. He saw her face and was like, eh? Which doesn't make any sense. I had a theory about that. You're probably wrong. <laughs> okay, my theory was that they don't bother keeping information in, in, like, their active memory that they aren't currently using. They are robots! Yeah. They but... have infinite memory. They are just memory. Yeah, but computers worked very differently in the 60s. And the way that you access computer memory was very different then. We didn't... I'm, this is very true. I'm telling you that I'm, this is a true thing. And the idea of having things that were permanent memory versus random, like, access memory, like, the stuff that is currently in the memory of the computer being used, are very different storage. Like, they're stored in different places. They're accessed in different ways. So if it's a file that they weren't using at the time, there's no reason that he would have it in his memory banks until he was told to call it up. Rebuttal. Brown was going to go pick these guys up. Well, like Corby think, said, you are going to go pick up Kirk and Chapel. Yeah, so. but I think that might have come out of the extreme confusion of the inconsistency where he was delayed, even yeah, though that's not Yeah, but really we don't supported. know what he was doing! No, I know, I'm, saying, I'm saying it's a continuity error. Anyways, space food is disgusting. Oh yes, we are sitting down to lunch with space food again. And this is another, uh, another thing I would like to just put in the notes in the column for why I think Andrea is a sex slave. Mm-hmm. She is programmed to please Christine, not serve her, not anything. Please her. Well, yeah. It was gross. In, in, the, in the vernacular of the 1960s, do you think that lesbian sex bots would have occurred to anyone? Maybe. But <laughs> in my mind, she said, please you. And it was gross, and she was. I, I would think that also if now this sex life for Christine if wanted. And that piece of dialogue came across. I would agree with you, but I do not think so in the context of this episode. Anyways, so Chapel, Chapel, <laughs> who clearly saw Kirk being turned into a robot, does not notice that Kirk, who sits down to have dinner with her, is, is a super perky yeah. and a robot. Because yeah. real Kirk is not happy about his situation. No. But instead, they immediately engage in, I wrote down girl talk, but it's not just that. They're sort of like, Christine starts talking to him. You get the impression that they actually kind of are friends, like real Kirk and her, because she starts talking Kirk about- Kirk is interested in other people's love lives. He really like, a lot. is. He's, He's very invested. Yeah. Um, but like, I-, I missed him, but I mean, he's the same person. He's not crazy. He's doing, he seems to be doing terrible things, but- it's not because he's lost his mind. No. And Kirk's like, mm, I don't know. What do you think if I told you to betray him? And she's like, please don't make me make that choice. Well, something's wrong with his head. Oh, no, he's fine. He's a robot. Yeah. There's a very weird undercurrent where she's like, oh, I, I, I can't think ill of him. Yeah. Even though it is clearly he's acting completely opposite to what I have known before. Why is she giving him so much leeway? Well, uh, she keeps saying that she knows him really well and he's the same man. Oh, but he is, like, people... He put someone into a blender. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could just be in her head that, like, he's apparently been trapped on this hell planet for five years and yeah. maybe he's a little off about it. Maybe... But he's still basically the same person. This episode doesn't make any sense. This episode is a hot mess. Except for... Two Kirks. Yeah. Because um, they're eating the highly unappealing space, or they're sitting with plates of the highly unappealing space food in front of them. Ooh, and hang on a second. Two what? Kirks. How Not many yet. episodes in a row is this now that we've had two Kirks? 
We didn't have two Kurtz in the last one. One before that. One before that, we had two We've Kurtz. Had a, it's happened at least twice. Well, there was the Tale of Two Kirks. Yeah. This is the second time. Yes. Tale of Two Kirks, part two. Okay, I'm so sorry I interrupted <laughs> That's you. That's okay. Um, yeah, but uh, they were, they're sitting down at lunch by themselves in the room, and there's unappealing space food before them. It just looked like plates of carrots. No, it was stew with Play-Doh in it. Play-Doh shapes. It could be so many unappealing things. And she pushes the food away. She's not hungry because she's too upset, and she, uh, she tells Kirk both, you should eat. And he says... Androids don't eat in this chapel. Wa-ba-ba! And I would like to note that this is where it goes from nurse to Miss Chapel, and I'm pissed about that. Oh, it's ridiculous. Anyways, so there are too many Kirks in this bar, although I would argue there are not enough Kirks in this <laughs> yeah. bar. Because in walk uh, Corby and the real Kirk, who is wearing one of the terrible coveralls, and Corby's like, see, you couldn't even tell the difference. And Chapel's like, uh, I'm not charmed by this. <laughs> I am completely freaked out by this. And then Kirk and Android Kirk proceed to treat each other like old-timey gentlemen. Well, Sarah, do you know where my brother lives? I believe, sir, that he lives on Earth 3. Oh, yes, with Sam. I believe you're referring to George Samuel Kirk, his wife and three sons. <laughs> it does kind of seem like one of them is going to slap the other one in the face with a glove any second. Would I, I, I describe this as a sass off? Yes. Um, and I also he's obviously not a perfect copy as he's all snotty about your eating and sleeping and other weaknesses. Exactly. So he's not a perfect copy of the original Kirk. He's just I an android. Is. With, no, his if Kirk was an android, that is what he. If would Kirk be was like. an android and had a deeply seated sense of pride about being an android, is what I'm saying. Though his personality is not the same. He has his memories. But he's not quite the same person. Because he's not, like, freaked out by the fact that he's James Kirk in an android body. He's an android with Kirk's memories. All right. I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Corby... This is where Corby breaks the news that uh, if he had kept going with what he was doing to Kirk, he would have transferred his entire consciousness <laughs> into the android body. And this is where, if you were still with any doubt oh. that uh, Corby is a robot... Corby is definitely a robot. So things go off the rails pretty fast here. (laughs) And when when you're like, what is your plan here? And then he says his plan, Uh which is to put consciousnesses into androids, Mm -hmm. put your soul into an android, and give you practical immortality. Yes, and then he goes on to describe his extremely detailed and carefully thought out plan to replace people with androids Mm -hmm. as many as possible before people find out because that way, (laughs) that way they won't panic. (laughs) If we just sneak to place an entire small colony, could you find me a colony, Captain Kirk? Just a tiny one. Just a little one. Just a tiny one just to start with. And some raw materials. Just just a little one. First raw materials. that entire colony, and by then we'll be established and it'll be totally normal, and the Federation definitely will not send a ship with 500 nukes. Which, at this point, Kirk is like, that's what Genghis Khan and Hitler and Julius Caesar and Ferris and Natuvus said. I assume the last two are made up. Star Trek I assume names. so. But let's go back to Hitler. At what point was Hitler's plan <laughs> <laughs> to slowly replace everyone with androids? Or Genghis Khan's? Yeah. I At what point so. was Genghis Khan like, you know what? I think I've invented robots. And now that I have, I'm going to slowly replace everyone with them. As many as possible before everybody else finds out. I mean, 
And same thing with Julius Caesar. <laughs> I don't remember robots in that. Unless was, was he like, maybe episode. if I had replaced you all with robots, you wouldn't have betrayed me and stabbed me in the back? Because my back would be made out of titanium. <laughs> I want to see that movie, Robot Julius oh, Caesar. And this is the point at which Kirk Ooh. asks a very good question. He's like, well, you made me a robot doppelganger. What do you need me for? And he says, I didn't do that to replace you. I did it to impress you. Okay, but he's like, then we can program out all the jealousy. And I'm sorry, <laughs> just saying this out loud is a crazy words. Uh, jealousy and hatred. And we can program all the bad things out of humanity. We can program people. And Kirk says, but what about love and tenderness and sentiment? And he's like, oh, but there'll be no disease or deformity. It will be a new paradise. <laughs> At which point, everyone should have been like, oh, shit, you're a robot. <laughs> Can we just give it one last time? All together now. Red flag! Oh, guys. Which, fortunately, Kirk notices because he immediately takes Corby hostage. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Someone tied a piece of rope around a chair. They were holding the chair together. They were, like, yeah. lashed together in the bits. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It went with the rustic aesthetic of the room. Corey. Yeah, and Corby is very upset that you don't like the present I got you. <laughs> the present is robot you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's a... Oh, here's the other, like, amazing Kirk line. Oh, I'm impressed. Just not the way you think! What? <laughs> and then he, like wraps the cord oh, around his neck to take him hostage. He does this so that he can keep Corby between himself and Ruck, mm-hmm. Igor, Baldy, Baldy, uh, Lurch, uh, because the Lurch rock. is programmed to protect Corby, and if he can't get to Kirk without hurting so, Corby, he... I mean, it's not a terrible plan, except two seconds no, later, he lets Corby go. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> you idiot! You don't release your human shield. Kirk needs to go to remedial hostage taking one <laughs> You're right. That's twice in that's one twice. episode. He got a perfectly good hostage and then threw them, them away. Them. Yeah. He spends all this time grotting this guy and then when the time is to slowly back away carefully looking over your back to see that you don't fall in the pit of despair with your hostage mm-hmm. he immediately gently pushes his hostage to the side and runs into the Cave of Wonders. And, of course, Lurch follows him. Mm -hmm. And uh, Christine goes, Oh, wait, he gave me control over Lurch and follows Lurch. Oh, I hate this so much. And we get an endless eternity of Kirk hiding from Lurch in the caves. Yeah, except Kirk falls all over the place. Everyone falls. No one knows how to walk. Maybe the gravity is weird on this planet. Gravity is one-to-one Earth. This scene. They, said, well, that then I have they said this in the PowerPoint presentation. <sighs> this scene sucked. It was long. It was so long. And Kirk grabs a thing and he does manly grunts. He but... rips a rock dildo off the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and proceeds to beat it. Anyways, then moving on. <laughs> we go back to the ship where Kirk apparently somehow jumped back onto the ship. Actually, wait. Before that, because this is where Christine saves the day again. Uh, yeah, I was saying, don't hurt him. Well, she's she's trying to find them in the maze of caves. Oh. The maze of two corridors that we've actually seen. The Cave of Wonders. Um, and Kirk tries to hit Lurch with the rock dildo, and he falls off the edge and is holding on by his, the tips of his fingers. And Lurch stands there for a minute thinking about it, while Christine is yelling, don't hurt him, I order you not to hurt him, and grudgingly grabs Kirk and pulls him back up. Ugh. 
And then we're back on the ship. We go back to the ship where Spock, who is in charge of the ship, does not know that Kirk beam back. Yeah. And he's busy, odd. like, Okay, this is another another moment where we scream, red flag. However, thankfully, Spock actually notices and does something about it. Yeah, because the red flag is the... the... first sensible thing that has yeah. happened in this episode. Well, no, what the hell are sen- you doing on this ship? I'm yeah. going to follow you around. Okay, you're looking at the paper schedules of our yeah. itinerary. The classified ones you're not supposed to remove from this room. <laughs> you and you're taking a vinyl envelope. Yep. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Taking a look, and there is a shot that is recycled from another episode. Where he gets on the turbo lift? Oh, yeah, when he gets yeah. on the turbo lift. Because yeah. the, the camera almost smacks him in the face, and there's mm-hmm. a visible, like, micro-expression of annoyance over Shatner's face that I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course... uh Spot questions him. And Kirk says the safe word. Or, uh, sorry, safe sentence. The, the line that... Half-breed that interference. interference. Yeah. yeah. And Kirk looks sad, and then is like... Spock looks sad. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Kirk was, or Spock's like, there's red flags all over the place. <laughs> Let's call security. Like, all over the yeah. field. At this point, everyone is tripping over all the red flags that there are on the yeah. ground. And so we're back on planet, and Kirk uh, essentially ruins the robot by kissing it. Well, oh, yeah. Such is the power of his. Real, okay, this is real Kirk. Makes out with Andrea. Yes. And this is yet another reason why I think she's a sex bot. Because she says to Kirk, I'm not programmed for you. I didn't. She's a sex bot. No, I read it. I read it like I'm not programmed to do what you want me to do. No, I'm not programmed to make out with you. But she's also very, very confused by the simple act of kissing. So I don't think she's been doing a lot of it. No, it wasn't the act of kissing. She has no idea what he's even doing. Yes, she does. She doesn't understand. No. But essentially, Kirk kisses her into being a real yes, girl. Yes, kisses uh. feelings into her. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, and then she kind of turns away. She's like, I'm not for you. And Kirk is all, but what if was for <laughs> And they have the worst beds on this planet. It's yeah, essentially like it's a, a plank of wood yeah. uh-huh, that you put your human body on. And Ruck comes in. And, oh, Kirk. The only part that I like about this is that Kirk is the virus in the machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to infect you with my sexy, sexy brain. He I starts like interrogating Ruck. Yeah. Somehow divines the fact that all these robot androids eventually went all, like, Terminator on the old ones. Because the old ones were like, ooh, too much. Too far. Too far. And they started shutting them down, and so the robots were like, oh, you have to go now. And they killed everyone. Yeah. Which... And Ruck was the only one left. Because someone had to turn over the machines. Yeah, and basically Kirk, like, jogs his memory, I guess? Well, what it... And let's just give a moment that Kirk is the best anthropologist ever. (laughs) (laughs) Who divines this after no time. Okay, so Ruck... The Rock, whatever his name is, is like, oh, that was the equation that existence and survival overrule. Cancel out programming. Cancel out programming. And that society had to be cleansed. And so... Because people were unpredictable and... Yeah, people, if they're they're illogical, they have emotions, they don't do logical things. They ruin everything. Um, And zoinks, says Kirk. 
Because then Rockstar is trying to kill him. Mm. Uh, the only thing I was thinking of through this whole scene was that bit in Futurama where Bender goes, hey baby, want to kill all humans? <laughs> <sighs> that was basically Kirk's entire speech. Ooh, maybe we should have just watched an episode of Futurama instead of this. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a, like, a better use of our time, to be honest. Anyway, so they have to destroy the rock. Yeah, and because he turns on because he turns on them. Of course he Kirk does. Has of course he does. Yeah, Kirk has basically talked him into ignoring Cor- Corby's orders. And here's where I have to think that that Corby must have found Ruck like damaged or deactivated from neglect and turned him back on and reprogrammed him so that he would forget the equation. And that it took Kirk. No, Ruck had just forgotten it because it had been so so long. He couldn't he couldn't remember that far back. Remember? Ah, right. They're like, how long have the old ones been gone? And he's long. like, uh, cannot compute. And so, it's uh, Kirby, Corby, Kirby is a dog. Uh, Corby <laughs> is forced to kill Ruck, and then Kirk again takes him into a freaking hostage situation, and then promptly like gently throws him away. And it is revealed because in their manly grappling, he ripped off some of his skin. Okay, guys, I expect you guys to be surprised. Corby is a robot. (gasps) No! We definitely didn't get that two seconds into this episode. What? That everyone was a robot? Everyone was a robot. Everyone was a robot. Everyone. Chapel is surprised. Yeah. Oh my god. And then he launches into another one of his monologues. I'm still me. Still me. Are you? Nope and dope. But he's like, I was frozen. I had no legs. It was the only way to survive. What were you doing on this planet? You can see from space it's a horrible hellscape. But mm-hmm. anyways. Um, I'm I'm the same as I was before. Even better. Are you, Roger? You're crazier. Definitely crazy. Um, and there's a whole bunch of to and fro in here where Spock and the security team beam down, and Corby contacts Andrea and says, "Go after them, go stop them." And she says, "I'll, I'll, I'll find Ruck." And he says, "Oh, I've turned Ruck off," <laughs> and, and doesn't think that this will bother her at all. Well, she is. She thing. opens the door, and there is Android Kirk. Uh, okay. Full disclosure, I have loved this. <laughs> I think this was very fair. Would have watched this for yeah, hours. This, is, this part was yeah, really great. I was very entertained by this. So she's like, ooh, kiss me. And he, and he, he turns out she enjoys kissing. Yeah. And Android Kirk is like, slashes the air. Kisses are illogical. And so she shoots him. <laughs> she doesn't just shoot him. She disintegrates him. Oh, well, there's no point to you then, is there? Would that we could all You're of no use to me. Would that we could all deal with our exes in that way. <laughs> and so Corby is trying to explain, I'm not a computer. Let me prove it to you. I can compute. I can solve. I, I can't can... come up with non-robot words uh, for things. Uh, I'm not a computer. Uh. And then he has an existential crisis and gives up his weapon. And then... And then Andrea comes back. I think you mean Andrea. Whatever. Andrea. Andrea. Shows up and is like, oh... I did what you told me, but it didn't work. My logic is so confused. He's like, you cannot love. You're not human. And then she's like, oh. Oh, is that how it is? And she kills them both. Murder-suicide. Well, she kisses him. Yeah. And another. Like, ooh, 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 it's it's another. It's another 
another notch on my sex slavery. No, belt. because no, he's yeah, surprised, and he's yeah. like, no. And she's just come around to the idea that kissing is a thing that people do and enjoy. Because I think before he tells her to kiss Kirk the first time, she only has a dictionary definition of the action. Because she does it very slowly. Like, she's like, okay, step one, step two. Step one. <laughs> Anyways. So, the people at Starfleet must get their reports and go, what the fuck? <laughs> so, here is the theory that I have, is that every other ship in the fleet has completely normal interactions <laughs> with colonies and planets and... And other ships. It's just a fucking enterprise that this shit happens to. Isn't no one there, else. Isn't there an episode of Deep Space Nine where you meet some guys from like the temporal police force or whatever? <laughs> sure, yeah. And there's some throwaway line about like Kirk's reports were always batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're this, almost as big a troublemaker as Kirk. This would have been at the top. And Cisco is proud to hear this. Uh. Yeah. And so Spock is like, oh, where's Carby? And Kirk says, Dr. Corby was never here. Except he was. was he he yeah. froze to death. He yeah. lost both his legs and then mm-hmm. he froze to death. And then was made into a robot. And then we go back to the ship. There's twinkly music. Chapel has decided to stay on the ship. Um, Spock is like, half-breed, that was kind of a dick move. The end. End of episode. Yeah. Oh, this, Jesus. <laughs> this was... Terrible oh, from a writing standpoint, oh, yes. dialogue, oh. plot, costumes, other than Naked Kirk in mm. Concession for Kareen. Metal towel. This was not good. This was very difficult to watch. It was interesting, though. It was interesting in a proto-Star Trek kind of way. Yeah, like, it wasn't unwatchable. Oh, yes, okay. it was. The first time I watched it, it was not unwatchable. Watching it for, I think this is like the second or third or even maybe even the fourth time, it was unwatchable. It was very boring. It is boring. Again, no B-plot. There's mm-hmm. nothing else going on. Again, we don't have many of our usual characters that lighten the mood a and little bit. And there's kind of like, um... And, and there's so many shots. Like, I mean, this episode was only 50 minutes long, which is like... Was it? Yeah, it was only 50 minutes. I know, because I checked. <laughs> Um, but this was like, there were so many shots or sequences that they just played out for like for ages because they needed to fill time. Yeah. Because they didn't have enough to do. Yeah. This mostly was the, the cave chase scene. Yeah. And the spinner. You know that, that, that comedy bit where you have a character running across the screen and another character runs across the screen. Yeah. And the scene changes slightly and the character runs across the screen. Yeah. Pursued by the other. This episode was largely that to me. It was a lot of and then switch scenes very slightly. It was a combination of that and starting conversations that would have made the episode more interesting and then suddenly it's more right away. Well, it's, I think it's notable in the way that it is an episode that is essentially Kirk and Chapel, which we are never going to see again. Mm-mm. Never ever. And that... No, that's it. That's all. That, that's all stuff. I've got, guys. There's some interesting stuff about artificial intelligence in here because we had like whatever Ruck was, and then we had at least three distinct classes of androids. We had ones that were created and programmed from whole cloth, like Andrea. Yeah. And then we had copies, like Android Kirk, and then we had Corby, who was who thought he was a human, who thought he was a human, or at least who had transferred his entire consciousness and being or whatever as into far the as he yeah. thought. Yeah. Now. It comes up with an interesting question, the same as I often wondered about the transporters, and I totally understood why people were freaked out by them. 
even though they would be very, very convenient, is that if you are being, in the case of the transporter, if you are being, your molecules are being destroyed and recreated somewhere else, is it still you or is it a copy of you? Oh, is you're there, a copy. The real copy. you has died. Yeah. If you transfer your consciousness into an android, surely that's just a copy too. What the hell's the difference except for that the original copy has been destroyed? Like, is it the same person or is it a new person who is a copy of the old person in a different body? Well, the problem that I was struggling with is, are we supposed to believe that Roger is actually in there? Is he? Well, yeah. Like, what distinguishes him from Android Kirk? Or Android Brown, except that Android Brown yeah. was like a super Like, robot. what is yeah. the difference between a copy and a copy where the original was destroyed? Or is it just that the, it was an android that thought it was better than that? That it wasn't an android Because he makes human. a very clear distinction. He seems to think there is a huge difference between simply making a copy and transferring. But that's not how digital files work. It's not how files work at all. <laughs> it's not how data transfer works. And, well, it's not. Like, when you move a file, it's not the same file. It's not like a physical paper file. You make a copy, and wherever it was before, it's been deleted. Well, to keep using this file thingy that we're talking about, I have, I was moving some picture files today, and I was grabbing them from one folder and dragging them to another, but it didn't make a copy. It took the original, and it completely removed the photo from one folder into the other. That is what Roger Corby thinks he has done. Right. He thinks he has taken a photo, moved it completely from, like, or his mind, and moved it completely, like, drag and click from one body to another, and it no longer exists in the first physical space. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is no such thing as a physical space in digital sense. And when you move a file versus copying it, all it does is it copies it and then deletes the original. Yeah, so to Kim's point, like, he thinks he is doing the full hard to copy, but I don't think he did. No, it's, no. Just, it's a fallacy. It's fallacious thinking. And I think yeah. it, it, a lot of it might just be based on, like, 1960s ideas of, like, dig- of data storage being very different from ours. But I think it's also, it's a very, it would be a very legitimate conversation about immortality and consciousness and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If this is for a better written episode. But let's just, let, let's reach here. Well, I, I think it's because they make the distinction between, like, the physical body and sure, you can replicate the physical body. Mm-hmm. But I think they had a stronger concept of what the soul was and the soul yes. was your personality. Yeah. Yeah. And he thinks that he's able to first do the physical copy, which I think was what mm-hmm. Brown was and that Android Kirk was. Yes. But the soul, which he thinks is in him, that he was able to copy into himself and thus as a human, that doesn't work. But do you think in Roger Corby there was a soul? Or are we supposed to believe within the narrative that it was just a robot the whole time that had convinced itself that it was still a person? I think he was a robot that had convinced himself he was a person. And I, I think, yeah, that's absolutely what I believe I, he I was. Can, I can kind of understand that thinking. Because if you, if you look at it, it, it's that the only difference, practically speaking, is that his original was dead. Mm. He was the only Roger Corby, therefore he was Roger Corby. I mean, it makes sense from that perspective, but I'm, I'm still hung up on the, okay, but how is that data stored? You still have to, you would, for this to work in any practical sense, for, for people to be transferred into android bodies which is something that they talk about now even as a very serious thing that we might be able to accomplish in the future Mm -hmm. um like how do you quantify a soul how do you store it how do you record it and wouldn't it just be a copy of you like all the current scientific thinking is that even if you could imprint a human consciousness on a digital medium of any kind it would be a copy of you 
because the way that we achieve sentience is still very much a mystery. So the only thing you could store is memories. Mm-hmm. What makes a person? Well, yeah, I think that is very much the question of this episode, was trying really clumsily to ask. Obfuscated by everything a that the episode running. was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, my problem is, is that fine. What the hell happened to Brown? Yeah. Because yeah. he was definitely, he definitely fell into like, I think Corby felt like he was a lesser class. He was definitely yes. not on Corby's level. He yeah. was. He equated so, him. Her, so did he make a copy of Brown and then murder Brown and or being did like, he just die? Or did Brown Ooh. die? But if Brown died, how did you copy him? Because yeah. they have to be alive. Because well, like, to if copy he copied him. Brown before he died, yeah. And then was there still consciousness in Brown when he like original flavor Brown when he died? <laughs> I wonder if. He and did. then is that the distinction that Corby makes that he didn't transfer all the copy? He just made a copy. He didn't. I, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't because, make any sense. Yeah, because he suggests that there is a difference in the ways that you create androids. Is that well? Mm-hmm. There was two levels. Like first you can make the the, the, the human body with right. like the sass right but and then you have to do another procedure to transfer to, the mind to transfer the soul yeah so it's it's three procedures potentially no. well because he says he doesn't think that the android kirk he creates is a real person but he copies his memories over but yet he is very personal no, that was like that was phase one so that's just transferring the memories the memories as opposed and... to like the soul. Well, no, he, the the memories and like the decisions and people wouldn't really recognize that it was different from you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, well, Spock recognizes it immediately because Spock is the only one who's genre savvy. But I think that he he implied throughout the episode that there was a secondary process to be done, phase two, where we transfer your soul, whatever you into know, vague, yeah, whatever that is. Your soul unscientific into definition body. of a soul might be. And then you can live in that body forever. Mm-hmm. But that we could also program that person to be without jealousy, without hate, without any of the negative human emotions. Which I think seems to contradict the idea that it is a human being in an android body. Because... That you can program yeah. it to be something different? Because he yeah. talks over and over that, that like, when he's talking about Andrea, like, um, yeah. that she's just a machine, she does what she's told, she can be programmed, implying that the programming is what makes her less human. But then he goes on and on about how you can fix people by programming them. It's very... There are a lot of really contradictory messages about even what the yes. crazy man thinks he's talking about when he starts <laughs> rambling and raving about fixing everything by making yeah. people robots. Which is interesting because if we look forward to data... There are some of the mm-hmm. same sort of yeah. seeds of argument in this Yes, episode. and this is what I wanted to talk about. And mm-hmm. this is why I said at the beginning that I like this episode as a slice of Star Trek yeah. lore or whatever yeah. because this is definitely I feel like the beginning of where we start looking at the early concepts for Data mm-hmm. who is a he is an android he looks like he can you know he has all the physical characteristics of a human he is fully functional <laughs> so he looks like a human he talks like a human he walks like a human but he's not human and mm-hmm. the entire Data's entire arc through seven seasons mm-hmm. and God knows how many movies is the quest to become human. Mm-hmm. What pushes him from the program into a real person or like a or sentient? Or yeah, or is he already? Which I think is where they ultimately came down with Data's. Well, I think I think what you, no, I think what you get with Data is what he, what pushes him from being a machine to real person is when he gets emotion. Is that is what is the ability to feel? Yeah, because they he, sort of go back and forth with that a so lot. yeah and that and that, anyway that's why i like this episode because it has a lot of the very early seeds and mm. i feel like if anybody were to 
you know, I have absolutely no idea because I haven't done any reading into this, but when people were trying to create the character of Data, that this may have been an episode I feel like they watched and talked about a lot. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Because I think, I mean, going again to Data is that Data was always self-aware. Oh, yeah. Even though he wasn't human. I mean, he had this conceptualization of himself as not being good enough because he wasn't actually human. Mm -hmm. But the question with Data wasn't, wasn't just is he a person? Because we actually have an episode where they legally establish that he is a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his father, Dr. Sung, yeah. always considered him a person. He's like, you're alive, you're a person. Yeah. And he gives him, he doesn't actually give him a mission. Data decides on his own that he wants to be human. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, one of the other really important things about Data's arc, the other question it answers is that what does it mean? What does human mean? Even? Yeah. yeah. What is human? And that's in a very vague and confused way is the same conversation this episode is having and i think star trek has that a lot like to be a human and we've seen it in these first couple of episodes of star trek is to have those negative emotions and to have those positive emotions and somehow deal with both of them yeah it's the balance of them. it is the balance so we see we see negative emotion kirk and we see ugh, pointless kirk (laughs) (laughs) and and neither of them are real people and I think that's what, again, they deal with in this episode, and because Roddenberry, I think, did a rewrite on it dealing with exactly that same issue, is that if you remove the negative emotion from from people, if you take out the evil Kirk out of them, well, they're, they're not human, they're less than. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you take away the good in them, it's the same thing. You have to have both of them working out in equilibrium all the time for you to be a human. To be human is to struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then going back to data, like this is also another question that I think um, that they pose a lot when they're talking about data in next gen is when you introduce the character of Lore, who has emotion and he mm-hmm. he has a lot of negative emotion and he's deemed basically by everyone around him to be dangerous, to be less than human because he has so much of the negative emotion. And he gets like he gets deactivated because people are scared of him. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah interesting about lore and data, um, and that that Sung deactivates him not because he's not human, but I mean he's he's very sentient. He's certainly a person. This is never questioned. He deactivates him because people were scared of him because he gets well scary. Yeah. Um, when when he's threatening other people like on the Enterprise. I don't know that it's because he's less than human. It's because he's dangerous and unpredictable. They deactivate him. But Laura thinks it's because he's not human. Now, would you say that Laura is more human than Data? No, I think he's just crazier. Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, he's more human than Data. I See, again, like... He certainly thinks I so. struggle with watching yeah. it all the time. But I think Laura is much more human I do. Than Data. I definitely do. Because, I mean, one of the things that you definitely see him around Data is he is so full of jealousy. Mm-hmm. over data of the, mm-hmm. that he has friends that he's respected that but data has no conception of these he's just like you're he actually is in like whatever way he can envious of lore's ability to feel mm-hmm. and i think that makes lore more human mm-hmm. well it's also important to note that the way they use the word human in star trek at least certainly in next gen and certainly in in uh, reference to data is that they don't mean like like the species human they mean like a behavioral spiritual ideal mm-hmm. of, of of sentience and and i think in that sense like emotion isn't necessarily required for that because in the sense of star trek vulcans would fall under that 
Um, oh, but Vulcans have emotions. Oh, they Vulcans do. have emotions. They, they just do. don't express them. Right. No. They, they're still dealing with their emotions on a daily basis, and they try. They have to balance the positive yeah. emotion and the negative like, emotion. That's exactly yeah. what they is to achieve neutrality. But one of the things mm. that, that, that we get over and over with Data is that he doesn't have emotions exactly, but only because someone couldn't figure out how to program them. But we do have Data developing equivalents to emotion, like the ability to miss people, the affection for people. Oh yeah, and he, he has her. extreme loyalty, and yeah. he has. There's actually um, one of my favorite episodes of Next Gen is um, Data builds. It's called The Offspring, and Data oh. builds himself a daughter. Mm. And it is there's one of two episodes of television that is absolutely guaranteed 100 yeah. percent to make me cry like a baby. <gasps> What's the other one? Um, oh god, what is the other one? I was thinking about it the other day. It's The Offspring, and I think it's the episode of. Buffy or Tara dies. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one I was thinking of. But anyway, so it's, you know, and it's, it's, you know, he has no emotion, but the, there's this, there's this admiral who's working with Data on trying to repair the kid. And he's like, he wouldn't stop. He just kept yeah. going. There was nothing he wouldn't try. And it's like, it's the actual, like, all the signifiers of a parent yeah. trying to save their child without recognizable human emotion attached yeah. to it. The question in that case is, well, how do you define emotion? Like, just because nothing that Soon could recognize as emotion existed in Data when he sees him last. We don't know where emotion comes from. We don't know how to define it. We have no way of quantifying it. And I would argue that even fairly early on, Data displays things that I would describe as emotions. Affection and loyalty and and. and and all of those things that Data does, if, mm-hmm. if you saw it in anyone you didn't know was an artificial being, you would certainly describe it as emotion. Yeah. So that's the other question about Data. It's like, well, he doesn't have any emotions. Says who? Hmm. But Corby does seem to have emotion, or at least he performs he emotions. He is very emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, is that just because he thinks he's human and that his memories... that he has access to memories of a human that has experiences and so he draws on that to mimic mimic and to behave in ways that he thinks he should be behaving. How could you tell the difference? You can't. Bum bum bum! Yeah. We're all robots. Mm -hmm. Well, technically. Well, not robots, but machines. Oh no, the other episode of television that will always 100% make me cry is the season 3 episode of Downton Abbey where Sybil dies. Sobbed like a baby. I watched that the other day and sobbed like a baby. Well, glad I wasn't planning on watching any more Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoilers for Downton Abbey, by the way. Thanks, Kim. Okay, so best performance of the episode, if that could even be said. I refuse to pick something for this episode. This was a terrible episode. Nope. No one, Kim? Nope. Everybody no should one? be ashamed of themselves. Oh, no, I don't think so. Are you? What's the name of the guy who played Corby? Guy? I, I, the guy who played Corby. At least in the last... Really? Seven minutes oh. of the episode? Because I thought his breakdown at the end was very good. Uh, no, because there is a line that he says, I am not a computer! He was... No, he was about to get it, and then I took that away from him. For that line delivery. I'm giving it to Sherry Jackson, who played Andrea, 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 Andrea. Um, Whatever her name was. I thought she actually did a quite good job. Like, she didn't have much to do. 
But she did it well. But she, she did it well. And the part where she comes out says, kiss me to Android Kirk. No, he, she says, I will kiss you. I will kiss you. And he says, not logical. And then she kind of goes, <laughs> And then destroys him. Yeah, I did enjoy that. <laughs> I could watch that over and over and over again, rather than having to watch this episode again. That's fair. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, deaths? Uh, two red shirts plus everybody who died from the original expedition. So <laughs> Who may or may not have died. <laughs> so I'm going to de- say definitely died. Definitely two. Up to at least four or five. Corby yeah. died, Brown died, Ruck died, Andrew oh, died. Ruck's entire civilization also <laughs> died. <laughs> so both of them. To... Both of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The robot one and the old, the yeah. old one. So we're, we could be potentially two, also up to the billions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, life lessons to be learned from this. I don't know, I'm so confused about the meaning of life and humanity and... I don't think I'm going to want my consciousness transferred into an android body if the technology becomes available in the future. Hmm. No, I think I would pass. Oh, I'd definitely pass as well. Yeah. No. My life lesson, when in doubt, just assume he's a robot. (laughs) Mine would be along the same tack, is with your friends and loved ones, sit down tonight, make a cup of tea, (laughs) just... Get ready for some real heart to heart because what everyone and every family, every group of friends should have is there should be a secret safe word that you have with each other mm-hmm. that you use to test whether they have been replaced by a robot or not. Or body swapped with Or magic. body swapped or aliens. Or a version of yourself from a different universe. Oh yeah. That one's real dangerous because they might actually know the same code word. You should have two like one regular verse and then a backup multiverse code. It's important to have complicated password systems in life and in body swap robot doppelganger situations. There, there's your life lesson. There you go. I feel like we've all learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say thank you for joining us, but oh, guys, this was long. Well, next week's episode is uh, Miri. Miri, Miri. Which actually has some serious business terrifying children. Aren't uh, all children terrifying? <laughs> Post-apocalyptic children are especially terrifying. So there's that to look forward to. Yeah, and um, in the meantime, safe words, people. <laughs> Very important. Safe words. Also, someone explained to me how you make ice staglomites. It doesn't make any sense. They're made out of ice. It just can't happen. Oh, Kareem. Oh, Kareem.